Here we go. It's episode 13 of the Creative Marketing Podcast with me, your host, Angus Boyle. Welcome to the show. Apologies, it is episode 13, but at the start of the main recording, I called it episode 12. I think it's because, you know, 13's unlucky, bad juju. I was trying to avoid saying it, but now I've said it a couple of times because it is episode 13. And as much as there might be some bad juju associated with it, I can't lie. I'm not going to have two episode 12s. That would be complete insanity. On today's show, I'm joined by a fucking legend of a man who has written a number of books, books for children, books for adults, written for publications like the Irish Times. And on top of all that, also spends his day-to-day time, <laughs> don't know how to say that, he, his day job, he is a literary editor. Um, and so, you know, he's got a lot of experience both on the side of the publishing company and on the side of being a writer and gives a lot of wildly useful information for anyone who has any interest in pursuing a career in writing uh, about how the process of writing a book goes, how the process of editing a book goes, and all of that sort of jazz. So really interesting if you have any interest in writing or in just really fantastic, brilliant, super wildly interesting conversations. Either way, you're in luck. This is going to be a good episode for you. If you enjoy the podcast, if you're a regular listener, if you're a first-time listener, whatever it is, if you're listening to this right now and you haven't given a review, obviously a five-star review, for the podcast, well then, please sort it out. Come on. It's not that difficult to give it a review. Uh, The reviews mean a lot. They help us get discovered by more people, all that jazz. So please give us a review. Also, if you know someone who might be interested, or even someone who might not be interested but might listen anyway, just send it their way as well. Share the podcast, spread the word, spread the good marketing word of the Creative Marketing Podcast. Please, people, you know, helps. Every little helps. Tell someone about it. Other than that, obviously, as per usual, got to give a shout out to our sponsors, artbyengus.com. Go buy some paintings. They're not going to be there forever, people. They're going to be a lot more expensive and they're going to be on the walls of galleries soon. Uh, You heard it here first. So don't, you know, sit in the future and live a life where you're regretting the fact that you could have bought one of these masterpieces for such an affordable price. Artbyangus.com Beyond that, uh, can't really think of anything else to say in the intro. This is a super short intro, but I'll avoid rambling too much. Let's just get into this super valuable episode and learn a bit about how to write a book. Welcome to the Creative Marketing Podcast. Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to episode 12 of the Creative Marketing Podcast. On today's show, I'm joined by a man who is an author of 10 books, uh, books for both children and adults, um, including the best-selling Cops Are Robbers, which was even made into a movie. Uh, Also, a person who's written for publications like the Irish Times, the Journal of Music in Ireland, and a man, I've forgotten, we just talked about it, but a man who has also got significant experience in editing books as well. And that man is Mr. Kevin Stevens. Welcome to the show, sir. Angus, it's great to be with you and uh, look forward to, to chatting about a whole bunch of things. I guess to begin with, I've sort of given a little intro, but but what's your, do you have a, a spiel that's your sort of go-to intro or or how would you? Well, yeah, yourself? I mean, uh, so Angus, I always wanted to be a writer. It's funny, my dad was a writer and his, his father and mother actually were both writers in their own way, involved in either the newspaper business or the publishing business or in writing fiction. And um, and I've always been a reader, too. So, you know, going back to when I was a kid, I was writing stories and, uh, and, and involved with words. And, um, you know, but as a lot of your listeners will know, it's not really very easy to make a living from writing and especially not easy to make a living writing fiction or stories. And so over the years, I've had to, I guess, respond to the challenge of making a living. Uh, on the one hand, and also creating time to to write and develop, you know, the books that I'm interested in. Um, I've been mm-hmm. fortunate since a lot of a lot of my life. I've been in the publishing business, in the book publishing business. I worked as a book publisher here in Boston for years. I did a lot of freelance writing when I lived in Ireland for you know over 20, 25 years. And uh, I'm back in the publishing business now, and I, I'm editorial director for a, a, a publishing house here in Boston. Um, so I'm working with books all the time, working with narrative all the time, helping people to craft their stories and to bring them bring them to market, uh, which uh, which which helps me in my own formulation of books, and mm-hmm. also gives me the freedom. I'm I'm not under any pressure to you know have a 
I mean, I would love to have a big bestseller, but you know, yeah. I'm, I'm under no pressure to, to get out there and sell tons of books because that's not what, how I make my living. So I can really focus on what I want to do and take the time to craft it well. And, um, you know, I've written a whole range of things back in the 80s. As you mentioned, I wrote The Cops Are Robbers, which was a really interesting true crime book about the, uh, the largest bank burglary in Massachusetts uh, uh, at the time. Uh, and then I subsequently wrote a novel based on that experience called The Rizzoli Contract, which, um, which was published by Simon & Schuster in the UK. Um, uh, I, I've written some sports books. I've written some books for children. Uh, uh, but mostly I like writing fiction. I like writing novels. And um, uh, my most recent novel was a, uh, called A Lonely Note, which is a story about a young uh, Muslim kid who lives in America and who's discriminated against and who's bullied and who uh, goes through a certain journey uh, to uh, deal with that and to make friendships and deal with a father that's abusive and so on and so forth. So, um, you know, this is this is my passion really is about writing and writing fiction, uh, but also about reading and getting out there and experiencing the, re the huge range of opportunities that there are for writers today, fiction, nonfiction, uh, mm -hmm. illustrated books are becoming a huge thing now as well. Um, you know, comic books used to be not taken too seriously, but now um, yeah. graphic, graphic fiction is really an important genre, uh, well represented by publishers everywhere. So it's exciting to be in the business and it's exciting to be a writer right now, I think. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, they changed the name. They rebranded comics to graphic novels and it was a huge success, I think. We used to have to sneak them into school, you know, but uh, now they're probably <laughs> on the curriculum. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Bringing it back to sort of the beginning of your journey, because that's sort of the, the sort of target of this podcast is, you know, people early in their creative journey. I guess, how did it all begin for you? Where, like, say, coming out of school, out of university, whatever, where yeah. did you... What were your first moves, I guess, to get into this world? Yeah, well, you know, I uh, I studied at UCD, actually, University College Dublin, and I was, Same. I was there for the many years. It's yeah, yeah, of course, you know, it's, uh, it stood me well over the years, um, and uh, I did. I, I studied English, English and history, and you know, not a lot of jobs for people with English and history degrees, at least not obvious jobs. Um, yeah. You know, I didn't know it at the time, but I was actually being very well prepared for. Uh, the workplace because you know no matter what you do in life if you can express yourself well and if you're good at getting your thoughts down on paper there'll always be a job for you somewhere because that's that's a, a very important skill uh, in business uh, in in in, uh, in 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 a whole range of things um but you know i i was writing back then i was writing my own fiction not very well but you know it was something that i always wanted to do and kept at in my private time um i was doing a little bit of teaching but then finally um you know, in my late 20s, I got a job with a publishing house in Boston called Quinlan Press. And uh, that was a nonfiction publishing house for the most part. But uh, the uh, the owner of the company, Henry Quinlan, uh, was a real entrepreneur and a real kind of daring guy. He was always trying out new things. And mm -hmm. he um, he got to know this uh, this former cop who had, had been involved in this bank robbery actually while he was a policeman and he was in jail and Henry needed somebody to write the book. Uh, I was working for him and because it was going to be like a legally challenging book, especially in terms of, you know, the fact that the, the, the bank was still after this guy for all the money that he robbed from them. He wanted to have somebody in house do it. So I got the opportunity to do that. And so I'd go out to the prison and interview this guy and come back. And so, you know, it's basically the story is in his voice, but but I wrote the book, so that was a that was a great kind of first step because the book was well marketed. It was a bestseller in New England. It was featured on sixty Minutes, which is a you know an important mm -hmm. American uh, news show. Um, it was made into a made for television movie, uh, which was on NBC and got good. And to this day, it's funny. I mean, it's still my best selling book by far. I still get questions sometimes. I, I just in the last year got two requests from hollywood producers about the story uh, wow. it's not going to go it's not going to go anywhere <laughs> i've had a lot of these requests over the years mm -hmm. but it's a story that fascinates people so i was really lucky that i got a, an opportunity to do that and that kind of opened some doors for me and i, I wrote a few more books with quinlan, quinlan press <clears throat> and this was back when we were living in boston 
uh, around that time we moved to my wife and I uh, moved to back to Dublin, which um, which is where I'd gone to college, of course. And um, <clears throat> I continued writing. I did a lot of corporate writing. I you know did a lot of writing for business. I did a lot of kind of you know curriculum development and writing for e-learning and all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. But all the while keeping up my interest in the um, in fiction and doing that kind of on the side in the evenings. And uh, a lot of people say that one of the big challenges about being a writer is, is that, you know, it's very time consuming and they, people don't have time because they have day jobs. Well, mm-hmm. I did a day job for years and I had kids, but, you know, I really focused and make sure that like took that hour or two hours every evening that I needed and devoted it to, to the work. And it's the tortoise and the hare. You just keep doing a little bit at a time. You'll get that. Yeah. Book, you know, so um, it's a it's a challenging uh, profession, uh, but it's one that's very rewarding if you're committed to it. And if it's something that you really enjoy and want to do um, marketing it mar- and marketing yourself, that's the tough part, uh, because most creative people don't have you know, like, you know, marketing skills necessarily. Mm-hmm. So. Um, it's always good to have contacts. It's always good to have agents. It's always good to have publishers who know the business and who can work with you to develop whatever it is you need to do to get your voice out there and into print. Okay, there's a bunch of things I want to drive into. First one being, you talked about you know protecting that time, making sure you're putting that time aside. I guess any advice for people who are are trying to do that at the moment? Any things that you found effective or found helped you to either protect that time and use that time for writing or to just find sort of extra time slots and things like that? Yeah, I, you know, uh, well, everybody has their own habits, of course, but I find in my case that it's always good to, you know, try to put the same amount of time at the same time of day aside and make it part of your routine. It's part of your habit. Another thing that I'd say, Angus, which I think is important, and I think this is, applies to all the creative arts, it's not just writing mm-hmm. fiction or, or, or so forth, is you don't need to be producing all the time, right? <laughs> Sometimes yeah. just sitting down and thinking about things and giving it a go and trying, even if you come up with nothing, that's part of the process. Also, if you have a story going, or in your case, if you have an idea for a series of paintings or something, mm-hmm. have it in your head. Be thinking about it as you go through your day. If you're out for a walk, if you're taking a shower or whatever, you know, the creative process, the actual writing down of something or the actual putting paint on a canvas, that doesn't take that much time. It's really the thinking it through that's, that, 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 that works. So really, it's about creating uh, a habitual process for yourself and then being disciplined about sticking to it, even if you feel that you're not really coming up with something, you know. Yeah. Uh, and often, believe me, there have been whole books that I've written that have been that I've thrown out. I mean, stuff that's taken me a year or two to write. So you know, not everything you do is going to be wonderful or even up to standard. Uh, but it's part of it's part of the process of becoming a writer, a painter, a musician, or whatever it is. It's it's really it's 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 creating that discipline and sticking to it. I, I think that's important. Um, and also just you know getting out there and reading as much as you can in the areas that you're interested in. I mean, if you're mm-hmm. interested in crime, if you're interested in crime fiction read the greatest crime fiction writers, you know, learn from them, you know, pay attention to how they do things, see how, what, what are their strategies, their approaches. Um, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're into, into literary fiction, choose the best, pick people that you, that, that, that you feel you'd like to do something like that and don't imitate them necessarily, but learn from them. I think those are all important yeah. things that I think people uh, need to keep in mind if they're, you know, pursuing a creative profession. I think it is. It's so uh, people underestimate how effective something that becomes a habit and, you know, like chipping away, like you said, tortoise versus the hare, doing something every day, how mm-hmm. much that does build up and compound over time. I think it's so true. When, when you when you come to sort of a new idea, how do you how do you approach getting from, you know, what starts off as just sort of a, an initial spark in your mind? What's the process of translating from that all the way to, you know, I guess starting to structure it to eventually it becoming a full a full book. Yeah, well, I, basically there I I think there are two kinds of narratives, two kind of basic narratives. It's narratives that are driven by character, and there are narratives that are driv- driven by plot. Okay, um, most of the 
television series that we watch these days. I'm watching Your Honor at the moment, which is on Showtime with Brian Cranston, for example. And um, that is a plot-driven narrative, okay? Certain things are going to happen, and you can tell that the writers have thought to themselves and worked with themselves, as, or the writer, whoever it is, and said, well, how are we going to get from A to, to Z? And, you know, work back from that to figure out how the plot's going to work. Uh, the other way of doing it, and it's the way I do it, is, is to create characters. And if those characters are, are round, they're, you know, they're, they're full characters, not flat, but they're, they're, they're like real people, then you set them into motion and you see where they will take you. And what your responsibility is as a fiction writer is, is to make sure that they do things that are consistent with who they are as characters, because nothing's worse if you're reading and somebody does something that's just totally out of character and it's, just, it's, it's done just to, you know, introduce a wrinkle in the plot. So I, I like character driven content very much. Now, having said that, people want action in a book. You know, they don't want to read what that someone got up and brushed his teeth and went down, and had his breakfast and, you know, did his day. They want things to happen. They want drama and they want conflict. So the first responsibility you have as a writer, if you're writing fiction, is to come up with a conflict. Put somebody under pressure. You know, you think of all the great books, whether it's, you know, Dickens or Hemingway or any of the contemporary people, they create you know, wartime situations or situations where people are under the, under, you know, very poor and under the gun or uh, in a bad marriage or, you know, create a conflict. Mm -hmm. And then if, if it's at all possible, have an idea of where you want this story to end. If you've got an end point that you can aim for, um, then it's, I mean, it's really hard to write a novel because it's, you know, 250, 300 pages of, 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 of development you know, oftentimes it's, I say, it's not easy, but you get the first three, four, five chapters out pretty quickly. You know where you, you have to know where you want to go. Otherwise, it's very difficult to negotiate that path and you could end up going off in all sorts of directions. Um, so, so I say these things, Angus, but, you know, I also say that it's an individual thing and that people work in different ways. And this is what works for, this is what works for me. When you're developing a character in order to, you know, know what their behaviors would be in a certain situation, all those sorts of things, how do you go about developing that character ahead of start, you know, because I presume in order to be able to to write and decide what would the what would be the next thing that person might logically do with their character? Yeah. What are the yeah. steps you take in order to, in your mind, develop that character or indeed on paper, potentially? Yeah, well, um, uh I, I just plunge in and get writing, you know, rather yes. than spend too much time. Now, what I do do is I, I, I've, I, I have it in my mind, well, how old are they? And, you know, uh, where do they live? And what's their nationality? And, you know, and, yeah. and, and who are their relatives and who are their friends? And, you know, I kind of have create that in my head before I do anything. And, um, and then put them into situations where they have to interact with other people and uh, create situations when, especially in the opening chapter. So in the opening chapter of A Lonely Note, for example, um, this kid hears this young Muslim boy who's in, he, he can't eat because it's Ramadan, okay? Mm -hmm. He hears, he hears uh, his name is Tariq, but the, the bullies call him freak. You know, they think he's a freak. Because he won't eat during, can't eat during the day. And he hears them. He's passing the lunch hall and he hears them. And he's a musician. And he's allowed because it's lunchtime to go down and practice in the empty band room. He doesn't have to go in the lunchroom that the schools. And so he goes down there, but he's worried because he knows these guys are, you know, making fun of him and they've been after him. The door opens and one of his schoolmates comes in. It's, it's actually, you know, a girl that he's, that he's really interested in. And so mm -hmm. she comes in, she's Jewish. So I've got the Muslim boy and the Jewish girl. So right away, you've got sort of an interesting interaction there. And, um, you know, but they're but they're cool with each other. And uh, they're you know, she's a dancer. He's a musician. So they have that in common. But his problem is, is that he can't get around being tongue tied with her. She's interested in him, but he can't express his interest in her. So right away, you've got just from that opening chapter, you know, where the where the book is set, you know, how old these characters are. 
you've got you know an interaction between a young man and a young woman so you know that there's a kind of a love story developing but you also have this threatening environment this potential for conflict in the background what's going to happen with these kids you know what are they going to do to him and they mm -hmm. do some and they do some nasty things to him so that's where the story goes it's him dealing with all of these obstacles you know trying to express himself with this girl that he really likes and who likes him but he can't get past that trying to deal with these bullies that are you know making life miserable for him and um, and of course, you know, from there, it's like, well, what happens, you know, yeah. what specific, you know, and, uh, you know, there's some fairly violent episodes. And then there's also his dad is a strict Muslim and he's having problems with him. And, you know, so so that's really what you do is you get your characters into real life situations. And and and, you know, I, I try to plot out like three or four chapters in advance, trying to know where I'm going at any given time. Um, and have that endpoint that I hope you know is always in my mind because everything needs to yeah. move towards that eventually. Do you ever? This is just a question that sprung into my mind. But do you ever? You say you plot out the chapters. Is there ever something that surprises you that they're sort of you know the character almost takes on a life of their own? You're like, oh, I wasn't expecting that, but you let it happen. Yeah. Well, you know, Vladimir Nabokov said that his characters were galley slaves; that they did exactly what they were told, but. <laughs> Because a lot of writers sort of say, you know, the characters kind of take over. But, you know, what I said earlier, Angus, is that if you create a character and, you know, you, you it, it's a full rounded character, that character will do certain things or won't do certain things. Now, that doesn't mean that surprising things can't happen because anything in life can happen. But if you created a certain character, it, he's probably going to react in a certain way to certain situations, given yeah. that. The, given the character you've given them and it's your responsibility to make sure that that that's consistent so you want surprises and also oftentimes i plan stuff two three four chapters in advance and i get to there and i think no that's not right you know or i've created characters in books and i thought this is going to be the main character and i decided you know what i'm going to have him die i'm going to kill him off early that'll surprise people you know yeah. so that's the great thing about fiction is you can do what you want as long as you're consistent with the with you know with, with the with the themes and characters that you create, um, you can you can pretty much bring the story anywhere you want, and that's that's exciting. Nonfiction is a different kettle of fish. You know you've got to you know you've got to be respectful of of um, of the facts, um, but nevertheless, uh, you know th that's why I prefer fiction. In fact. Mm -hmm. Love it. You said one thing that intrigued me, you mentioned, you know, sometimes you've got something where you've spent a year or two writing something and then it ends up getting thrown out. Yeah. How do you know or how does that decision come about? When do you know that that's actually I'm going to move on from this? This isn't working, yeah. or not, you know, because I, I imagine well, that would be a tough decision to make. Well, it's a tough decision. It can happen in one of two ways. Either, you know, sometimes you finish something and then you send it out and, you know, there's no interest. And you know, maybe maybe the subject matter isn't right, or or something, or, or maybe it's just not good enough, and that's something you've got to face. Other times, uh, I've on at least two occasions, I've got about twenty-five or thirty thousand words into a book, which is like nearly half a book, mm -hmm. and I I just don't know where to go with it, and it's just not it's just not working for me. And after banging my head against the wall, I just sort of realize it's just. You know, it's just not come together, and I haven't, you know, I I haven't really gotten to the point with these characters where you know I've meaningfully developed the story to the point where it's going to be able to continue to keep going. Now, that's never wasted work. First of all, because you know it's practice, you know, yeah. and secondly, on at least one occasion, I've. You know, written 25, 30,000 words, said there's no good, put it aside, set, put it away. And then a few years later, come back to the story, but realize, you know what? I should have approached it this way and taken a different approach and actually then come up with something worthwhile. So, you know, um, it is difficult to jettison stuff, but you never know. You might be able to use it in the future, and it's always good to have done, you know? Yeah, definitely. Practice makes perfect and all that jazz. <laughs> Going back to that sort of, you know, someone, say starting out writing their first book first of all thinking about someone writing that book any other potential you know flags things that might be an issue things to look out for or indeed things that are 
something this is something that could be particularly useful to help them you know get from idea to actually having a, a written book yeah i mean um well there's a lot of things i mean first of all fiction is self-expression and so there's got to be something of you in there you know yeah um now there are genre writers you know they write crime fiction or they write romance novels or so forth and they follow certain formulas and they come up with great ideas and they bring those to life and they don't have to be particularly personal but literary fiction tends to be uh and 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 most good fiction no matter what genre it is i think tends to be very personal and there has to be something that's happened to you in your life that that uh that that drives it now you know when I wrote a lonely note, for example, it's about this Muslim kid. I'm not a Muslim. <laughs> I have no idea what it's like to be a Muslim, but I did grow up in a strict Catholic household. I know what it's like to live with very religious parents. I also know, knew what it was like to, to cause I went to high school in the United States. I, I knew was what high school life was like. I knew, you know, that there could be cliques and bullies and, and, and a whole range of things. Uh, so, uh, and I had, you know, when I was in, when I was in high school, I was, uh, um, you know, I, I wasn't one of the popular kids and I was, you know, I was sort of, you know, interested in stuff that other kids weren't interested in. And I wasn't bullied. Same here. Yeah. I wasn't bullied exactly, but I was, I, I, you know, I wasn't at the center of things. So I knew what it was like to be on the edge. And so, you know, what I needed to do is I needed to take those feelings and I needed to channel those into that character. And then I needed to exaggerate and give them particular things. I also needed to do the research, you know? I mean, I needed to know, well, what's permitted in Ramadan and what isn't permitted in Ramadan? Uh, what's a Muslim funeral like? What's it like going to a mosque? I went to the mosque in Klonski and I went down there and I did the little tour with them, you know, to understand, yeah. well, here's what, here's what uh, um, uh, you know, devout Muslims do when they, when, you know, when they go to their services and the men and the women are separated. And, I mean, you need to get the details right, you know? Mm -hmm. So, you know, it needs to be a combination of what is driven by your own personal experience, but then also combined with the research. You have to have respect for what you're writing about and make sure that you know the facts and the details and you combine those. And if they come together and if they work well, then potentially you're onto a winner. And always keep in mind that you're writing for readers and that you know, more than just your family and friends, or at least you want more than your family and friends yeah. to be reading it. So it's got to appeal to somebody that doesn't know anything about you. And they've, you know, so the writing and the story has to be good. It can't be, you know, because I mean, your family, your family will, you could write terrible shite and your family will tell you, oh, that's great, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, you need to reach other people. But yeah, that, but that personal thing that that's important. Something of you needs to get out there on the page. You know, whether it's some detail of your past, some hangup you have, some problem you've you you you've 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 come up against. Um, you know, some difficulty. I mean, drama comes from conflict. We all have conflicts. So find those conflicts in your past, and turn them into something you know, positive. Yeah. That's that's yeah. really one thing that I think writing could do. Super interesting. I guess that's the that's the uniqueness that each individual has. So that's the the magic that only you can bring as well. And you know what? Everybody has a story. That's the thing. A lot of people think, well I have nothing to write about. My life is boring. Nobody's life is boring. There are lots of boring telling of stories and you know yeah. but everybody's life is interesting in one way there and maybe maybe the interest is in how terrible things were for you i mean that's you know you you, you may have gone through a very bad patch in your life for in some respect but that might be interesting um mm -hmm. because how you went through it and went beyond it is is but but conflict conflict creates drama uh you know and everybody experiences conflict for sure then you spoke about, I guess, you know, sending stories out and, you know, potentially some getting rejected there. But as I guess, once someone say someone first time writer, again, thinking of that, having a book finished or, you know, at least a first go of a book, what does the yeah. process look like there? Who do you send it to? What do you what yeah. are you trying to achieve? That sort of thing. 
Yeah, well, uh, okay, the first thing I would say, number one, is make sure you have thick skin because, <laughs> you know, you're going to get rejected. I could wallpaper my house with the rejections I've received over the years. And, you know, um, you just, that's just, that's just the way the business works. You know, you know, 99 times out of 100 people are going to say this isn't right for me. So, you know, be resigned to that. Understand that publishers are, they're business people. They have to make money. You know, they're only going to take something on if they feel they can sell it. So they might think it's the greatest work in the world, but if they don't feel they can sell it, then there's no way they can do it. So find publishers that bring out books that are like what you do, right? That's the first thing, you know? Um, it used to be that writers would send their work directly to publishers. What's more common nowadays is that writers use agents. And I think it's, I think the best advice I can give a, a, a potential writer is to try to find an agent. And because agents, agents are, they do lots of what publishers used to do, right? Mm -hmm. They'll go through a bunch of manuscripts, they'll find something with potential and they'll say, look at this is, has possibility and I'll be happy to represent you, but you're gonna have to do A, B, C, and D, you know? And they'll give you guidance and off you go. And if you get it to the standard that they think it's, makes it saleable, then they'll take you on. Uh, publishers don't really do that anymore. They, but we, we, you know, I get stuff that comes in you know, via email or even in, through snail mail. And I have, got, have gotten a few books that way, but most of the books I get, especially the good books are from agents. And yeah. so, you know, that, that's important. And there are great websites for, for finding agents and you should find an agent that is in the market that you want to sell to. If you feel that your books are going to sell well in the UK and Ireland, you should find an Irish or, or an English agent. If, if, if you feel the US, US agent and so on and so forth. But you know, Angus, publishing is like everything, it's become a global business. And you know, when publishers are looking for books, they're looking for you know books that have possibilities in multiple markets and they wanna be able to sell the rights to other markets as well. So the extent to which you can write books that have broad appeal, you know, uh, whether it's fiction or nonfiction, um, that's helpful as well. It's it, it's a tough business. There's no question about it. I mean, it's 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 hard even for really good writers to to, to get published. And even when they do get published, it's hard to make very much money at it. You know, mm -hmm. so it's it's for people with a passion. I have to say that. You know, um, yeah. Unless unless you're lucky and or you know unless you've developed a, I mean, Tana French is a great example of a writer who's developed. I mean, she's a very good writer, but she's also you know, found a crime writing niche in Ireland that is mm. that has universal appeal, and uh, which is great. Um, and presumably, you have talent too, and that's important because you know you've got to be able to do it, and you've got to be able to perform. Um, you know, I if I wanted to be a musician, I could work as hard as anybody, but I would never get anywhere because I don't have the talent. So you know, mm -hmm. to be realistic, realistic about what you're good at as well. I think that's that's an important feature of of you know of, of anybody. Which is not to say that you can't become good at something too. You know. Yeah. Um, the you know, I, you know, you can learn. You can learn for sure. So we've spoken a bunch about. I feel like we focus a lot on on fiction, and I think that just generally interests me more. I think, but I've just realized. Big shout out to my brother. Um, who also is an English and history student from, from UCD of old. He recently won a prize. The Financial Times has a prize called the Bracken Bauer Prize, and it's for writing a book proposal for a nonfiction book about business. And so he oh. won that and is now in the process of talking to an agent. Got to ask for him any advice on, on nonfiction writing, because he's, he's gone from, you know, he's written the proposal and the initial idea, and now mm -hmm. I think he's in the process of starting to work towards developing that into a full book. And he's working with an agent and stuff. But any any advice for, for him? Well, it sounds to me like he knows what he's doing already, because if he won that prize, he's he's you know, he's obviously he, he's he knows how to put a good proposal together. I mean, the first thing I would say to anybody who's interested in writing a nonfiction book is the proposal is critical mm -hmm. for fiction. It's hard to put a proposal together for fiction. 
for nonfiction, it's essential though, because, you know, um, obviously it's something that is based on, uh, uh, on, on facts and on the real world. And if it's a business book, it's got to have a, I mean, business is gigantic with, you know, if it's cooking, if it's what, whatever it is, you've got this gigantic world out there and you've got to be very specific about what slice of it you're writing about and what your point is and who your audience is. I think your brother would tell you, identifying your audience is the first thing that you have to do. You know, in other words, because that's the first thing the publisher will want to know, who are we going to sell this book to, you know? And if it's a business book, is it aimed at people in management? Is it aimed at people in leadership? Is, is it aimed at ordinary people that, 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 that want to, you know, become entrepreneurs? Or, I mean, you know, there's 20, yeah, 30, yeah. 40, 50 categories of business books. Um, and nonfiction, especially when the books hit the bookstore, nonfiction gets divided up into categories much more than fiction does. You go in and you'll see fiction is just A to Z. You go yeah. into a bookstore and see nonfiction and you'll you'll see you'll see business and you'll see philosophy and you'll see literary criticism and you'll see cooking and sports and so forth. So it's important to understand what category you want to be in, you know, and then, you know, once you're within that category, identify, well, who's the audience here? You know, if it's a sports mm -hmm. book, is it is it for people that are interested in football or people that are interested in, you know, sports management or whatever it is? Um, yeah. and, and then nonfiction to me, it's all about structure. You know, it's all about, well, how am I good planning the book out with fiction? Kind of the characters bring you along, but with yeah. nonfiction, you know, you really need a structure in place and you need to understand, um, you know, how many chapters, what each chapter is going to cover. What are the themes? How does it all fit together? What's the narrative arc of it? You know, all of those things. And, um, some of those things you're going to figure out as you're writing it, but nonfiction, I think depends much more on having a map ahead of time of what you yeah. want to do and then sticking to that map as you go along. Uh, your brother, it sounds like if he has an agent, the, the agent will map him up with an appropriate editor who will also, I think, in especially in, in nonfiction, editors often have a lot of input into how books get shaped and work mm -hmm. very collabor collaboratively with, with authors. Because um, I, I mean, the, the the publishing house that I work for is is all nonfiction, and so we do books on sports, and we do books on business, and we do books on we do memoirs, um, we do some books on like the environment and climate change, birding, all that stuff, and mm -hmm. it's all different topics. But the, my approach is the same in each case. You know, let's break it down. Let's tell you tell me exactly how this is going to take shape. So I had a, a bird book, for example, and this guy, what he did is he kept a diary. He was a, he's, a, he's like a professional birder. He's really good at identifying yeah. it. And, you know, he's, he's, he writes books and everything. He just said, I'm going to keep track of a year of my back garden and the activity of those birds. And so that was wonderful because he had a natural structure. He started in January. Yeah. There were 12 chapters. He ended in December, you know. And that uh, was a great idea that he came up with because it imposed a natural structure on the book. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, we did another book on uh, on black athletes who are also activists, you know. So, um, and that was great because we started with um, Jesse Owens and Joe Lewis and some of the, you know, athletes from the 30s and how they expressed their anger at racism and then brought it up you know, chronologically. So the thirties, mm forties, -hmm. you know, then the Olympics in the 68 and then right up to LeBron James and Serena Williams and so forth. And that focused both on individuals, but also on chunks of time. So, yeah. you know, you create a structure for yourself. And, and if it's a business book, it's like, you know, seven steps to good selling, right? And, you know, yeah. you, and you map those out and do a chapter each. So in some ways, nonfiction is easier from that perspective. Um, but it, you've got to be very targeted and you got to really know what you're doing because, you know, uh, it, you, you have to have expertise in whatever it is you're writing about, or at least be able to get the expertise through your research. Yeah. That's exciting for your brother though, you know? Yeah. And it's not, he's not historically a writer. This is his first venture into writing. He's also wildly successful. Uh, giving me, setting a high bar for me to try and chase after, because um, he works in banking and the book is sort of around banking and central banks and, and stuff like that. But definitely, yeah, it's, it's not, he, he, 
it's not not his profession you know what i mean it's his uh just so well, he's just casually as a second profession just casually just winning financial times well. prize <laughs> <laughs> oh good for him good for him you know comes easy to some people i guess <laughs> in your in your sort of day job editing are there any any things that you see as sort of mistakes that people first-time writers make any you know and potential pitfalls that people could avoid um mm. from having listened to this <laughs> well uh, the pitfalls are, are are many and 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 frequent um i see a lot of uh, uh proposals that come in that and let's just talk about the proposal level first because you know if you don't get that right you know, forget it because the, yeah. you know, it, it, uh, no editors. Not I mean, I'll get I'll get something and they'll say, oh, I have a great idea about such and such, and you know, and I won't even I won't even respond because the first responsibility, if you're really serious about getting a book published, is you know to find out what is it that editors and agents need from you. Know, well, they need a proposal. Well, what's a proposal? Well, first of all, it's a uh, you want a, a good synopsis of the book, two or three pages. If it's nonfiction, you want a chapter by chapter breakdown with two sentences for each chapter. You want to talk about yourself and what your qualifications are for writing the book. Uh, you want to say what kind of platform you have. Okay. Do you have the ability? I mean, because they're going to want you to market the book, right? So do you have social media presence? You know, do you have uh, contacts within the industry that's related to what that, you know, what the book is about? Um, will you be able to market the book as well? And get that into proposal that's that's your first responsibility and uh you need to be able to do that and there are plenty of websites and plenty of books that can tell you how to put a, a good non-fiction book proposal together um once you once you're able to do that though um it's really about being persistent and it's also about being open and making sure that you don't sort of that you're not locked into your way of doing things that you're open to what editors and agents or or even other writers that you may know when you share the stuff with you know to 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 help you to 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 put the thing together i'm reading a biography of philip roth at the moment and philip roth was you know the greatest writer of his generation uh you know had 30 novels but even late in life he would give manuscripts to people and he'd say be as hard on these as you can and if they started criticizing and saying that this didn't work and that didn't work, he said, great, great, give me more, give me more. Because he knew he wanted the best advice possible. He knew that it could always be improved. Yeah. Um, so having people you can bounce ideas off of and having people that you can trust to give you good feedback about what you're doing, is it, that's really important as well. Because writing is a lonely business. It's just you and yeah. your laptop and it's you and the words on the page. And so you need to, and yet you're trying to reach the world. So you need to have that feedback early on. Um, you also need to just the, the 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 craft of writing. You know, is it's just not something that you're just going to be able to sit down and do immediately. It's it's something you do need to practice. It's technique. It's like anything, and it's you know I I equate it to physical exercise. I mean, I write every day. If I don't write for a week or so, maybe it's the holidays or, or whatever, or 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 maybe maybe I've reached the end of one project and maybe a month or a couple months goes by, and it's hard to get cranked up again, you know. Mm. Whereas if you're doing it every day, it's like you're exercising every day and you're in the flow with it, and um, you may not be, you know, writing brilliant stuff every day, but you're you know you're you're keeping your muscles toned and you're keeping yourself limber and you're giving yourself the best possible chance to do something good you know because you're you know um because you're practicing and then you know it's 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 boring sometimes and it's it's difficult and it requires will but it's essential it really is you mentioned that you know writing can be a lonely a lonely pursuit is there any any other downsides i feel like people you know romanticize in their mind the the notion of being a writer any other obviously the fact that it's lonely is there anything else that's like a downside that maybe people wouldn't expect in their initial romanticization of of writing it takes a long time to get mastery 
that's that's you know you know the ten thousand hour rule you know the, the yeah. you know they, they say that the Beatles by the time the Beatles made it big they had been, they'd played for about ten thousand hours you know yeah. on the road and in studios and everything, um, it, or chess or anything else. I mean it's it's one of these things you've got to put in the time and you know it can take a long time to to get to that. I mean I I didn't publish my first books until I was you know well into my thirties and uh, and I didn't really feel I had a had a real grasp of fiction and how fiction worked until I was well into my 40s. So, you know, that's a long time to wait to, you know, to be good at something. Um, and even then, maybe you're good at it, but, you know, that doesn't mean that you're going to sell anything, you know. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, you better like it. That's all I can say is you, you better like writing because it, it needs to be its own reward. And, um, uh, if you're somebody that, you know, you do something and you feel a great sense of satisfaction having done it, uh, and if it sells great, but if it doesn't, at least you did it, that's a good thing. You know, that's, yeah. uh, I think that's, but you, you can say that about anything, Angus. I mean, you know, we, we, we all need our passions because otherwise, otherwise life is completely boring. You know, if you don't have things that you can do and really enjoy, you know, you're lost, you know, and, uh, um, unfortunately, you know, most jobs, don't give you full satisfaction. I mean, that's just the way of the world. So you need to develop interest outside of your job as well. And if you if your if your job overlaps with your interest, then that's great. That's a, yeah. that, that that's a bonus. You know, <laughs> can't be counted on. <laughs> you mentioned the passion point. Is there obviously writer's block's a big thing that that people talk about? Is there times where the passion sort of dries up, or you know, it's not enough because it's just like something's frustrating? And if so, how do you get past those points where you're struggling with something or you, you know, maybe you're struggling to just get yeah. word out. It typically takes me three years to write a novel, you know? Um, and, you know, by this stage, I've done it often enough that I know what the, what the arc is. It's exciting at first because it's a new idea. And, uh, you know, those first couple chapters feel great. And then by the time you're about, you know, a quarter of the way through it. It's a bit like movies, you know, 20 minutes into the movie, something important has to happen. You know, yeah. it's the same in a novel. You need to get, you know, about a quarter, a third of the way through it, less than a third, like a quarter of the way through it, something traumatic needs to happen. It's all set up in the bank to something to get the conflict going. And it's usually exciting to bring the novel to that point. But then you've got this long road ahead of you where, you know, you've got to keep the story alive and keep it going and you develop the plot and figure out what goes next and you go down one road it doesn't work and you go you go back and that that can be you can feel very flat doing that and always i mean the, the greatest writers say this that they question whether what they're doing is any good or not i mean you know you read that all the time so you're going to be doubtful about what you're doing you're going to think at times this is just crap you know and it's just awful and other times you're going to say, boy, this, 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 this is great, but do I trust my feeling about, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's just not easy. And um, that's why, and I, I know I'm just probably saying the same thing over and over again, but that's why the regular habit of doing it, whether you feel good or whether you feel bad about it is important. Um, I remember when I wrote a lonely note, there was a scene that I created between the boy and the school psychologist. And I really struggled with that scene. And, you know, uh, she doesn't really understand him at all. And she's saying things that don't make sense. And she hasn't really made an effort to get inside of his problem. And he realizes that and he's keeping her at bay. And then he goes off. And it's just one scene. And I remember thinking when I finished it that, I just didn't get that. I just, I just didn't nail that scene. Mm -hmm. But then when, when I finished the book and when the publisher read it, she told me that that was one of the best scenes in the book, you know? <laughs> so I kind of felt, well, gee, I, you can't trust yourself entirely, you know, mm -hmm. do your best and then get other opinions because sometimes it's, it's hard to know. It's hard to know, you know? Um, uh, though generally I'm pretty good at, understanding whether something's working or not you know and uh, uh and you what you do want to get to that point as an editor what like i guess obviously 
if someone gets far enough down the line, they'll get to a point where they have an editor. But I think a, a big part of writing is being able to self-edit to a point in order to get to the point to even get it out there. How yeah. do you approach editing? Any advice for someone in how to go about editing? Well, uh, first of all, uh, your sentence, uh, Martin Amos says that sentences need to add up to 10, right? <laughs> so in other words, every sentence is a small work of art in itself. Make sure your sentences are good. Make mm -hmm. sure that, that, that develop an ear for the rhythm of sentences. Um, uh, make sure that, you know, that, that they're grammatically correct. Martin Amos's book, by the way, Inside, uh, Inside Story, his most recent book, which is about his relationship with um, several writers, Saul Bellow, Christopher Hitchens, uh, his father, um, is, uh, contains some really useful advice about writing, writing fiction in particular. And he, he has wonderful sentences and a wonderful ear for the music of language. Uh, mm -hmm. But, you know, develop or do your best to develop an ear for language because language, I, mean, I don't know if you've read Kevin Barry. Kevin Barry is a, he's a Cork based writer. Yeah. I've and, the name. Yeah. He, Nightboat to Tangier, Beetle Bone, a uh, number of books he's written. Fantastic ear. You know, and Irish writers, there are some great Irish writers who have a great ear for language. And uh, and the Irish have a little bit of an advantage because it's such an oral culture and it's, it's a storytelling culture. And if yeah. you're Irish, if you're Irish, you, you're, you've, you've got your step ahead of everybody else in the sense that you're growing up surrounded by very creative use of language, as as we all know. As my friend Brian McCabe says, he says, I don't use bad language. I use colorful language. You know, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. But the Irish use colorful yeah. language. <laughs> so um, respect for the words that you use for the sentences that you create is just as important as the structure in the story. And uh, uh, because it's, we live in, uh, Richard Ford says that the action of fiction is language. And, you know, what he means by that is, is that the words have to really come alive on the page uh, for for you to create a connection with the reader. And that's, uh, that's an important part of uh Important part of the of the process and an important part of the profession of, of, of being being a writer. Um so when you're editing other people's work, is there you know common things that you what are the basic mistakes that people make? That they use too many words to say something. That's the first thing. Um, most of editing is taking stuff out, right? And you know, varying sentence length, for example, so that there's, you know, prose is about rhythm. Uh, poetry is about the, the, is about the same rhythm. Po prose is about varying rhythm, uh, for example. Um, structure, you know, making sure that, that you don't move on to point B until you've covered point A. Um, making sure that your transitions from one point to another are smooth and, and that there's a connection there. Uh, Things like that, and um, and you know anybody who's self-editing needs to needs to really appreciate and understand those. I mean, there's great reference books for for style, um, but you know, style is a little bit like uh, like like the way you walk. Everybody's is different. We all we all walk, but everybody walks a little differently, and you can tell who somebody is just by the way they walk. Same with literary style. You know, everybody will have their own style. Uh, and developing a voice in writing is important. Just like, I mean, it, you know, I'm a jazz fan. And if I hear John Coltrane playing a saxophone, I know immediately it's John Coltrane, you know? Um, you know, you know immediately a guitar player, they're, pl they're all playing the same instruments, but they develop their signature sound. Writers need to develop a signature voice. And you do that by paying attention to uh, the language and by you know working hard to understand how words work on a page, that's Amazing. not very that's not very practical. But it's you know it's 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 the way it works. Yeah, yeah, for sure. What is something thinking back to yourself? You know, at the outset of your journey, early in your in your career as a writer, what's something that you wish you knew then that you know now? Oh gosh, yeah, that's that's a good question. I I guess patience. Is something that uh, I I have a little bit more of these days than I used to. You know, if I finish something, I don't feel that I need to immediately get it out there. Um, I understand that oftentimes I've got to write something and let it sit there for a while, 
and then you know go back to it when it's not hot off the press and read it again and make changes and just go over stuff again and again you know it's funny when i started writing angus you know i wrote on a typewriter and um or sometimes longhand and then type it up and then you know since about i guess the late 90s i've been writing exclusively on on a you know a laptop or a computer yeah. and i couldn't write on anything else now because the great thing about you know a laptop or you know any sort of word program is that you can just edit constantly you know and so easy to change things and move stuff around and do that because that's what you're doing as a writer all the time is that you know so when i work the, the first thing i do when i sit down at my desk is okay i'm working on a chapter i go back to the beginning of the chapter and i start reading it through up to the point where it is mm -hmm. and i'm always making changes and every day i go in i'm making changes every day for everything that leads up to that and then once the chapter's done i put it aside and then i do the same with the next chapter and then when the book is done i go back with the book and sort of rewrite you know so you just yeah. can't it's 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 constantly just shaping and you know and just improving it and that takes patience and that i didn't have a lot of that when i was starting out um you know when you're young you just want to you know you want to be successful and you want to be successful fast and you know sometimes it just takes time and and so uh but rejections help in that respect you know <laughs> they, bring, they, they keep you they keep your feet on the ground yeah yeah super interesting um what's next what's next for you where are you you say you write every day is there anything interesting yeah, here? yeah well i i have a book with an agent at the moment that i'm uh, uh, uh hopeful that she'll take on and represent uh it's a novel about a family that's in the software that a rich family if you seen succession i have not i've heard a lot about it though and i intend to watch well, it's a little bit our world <laughs> well it's a little bit like succession in the sense that it's about a software uh, a big a big rich family that basically is falling apart and at each other's throats um so and i'm also uh, uh i'm also working on some nonfiction as well some stuff based you know some articles based on incidents from my past and and trying to get those out there and then i've got a lot of stuff going on in uh in my editorial job i'm working on a great book by a guy who went, who, whose father was a Holocaust survivor, and he and his father went back to Eastern Europe in you know, about 15 years ago, and they took a journey from his father's village to Auschwitz, and they found the place where his father's brother had escaped off of a train and was shot to death by the Germans. And uh, it, the book is about that journey, and he took videotape of it, so he had a whole he had a whole um, record of the journey. And he used that as the basis for the book. And then we also have video stills in the book, you know, of, you know, these key points. So it's exciting to, to be collaborating on, on books like that as well. And that's a, that's an exciting book too. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, I guess lastly, where can, where can people find out more about you or, you know, connect or. Yeah. Um, uh, I have a website, kevinstevens.net, and uh, that's got kind of all my books on it and links to my books and a little bit about me. To be clear, Stevens with, Stevens with a V, just so. That's right. Yeah, K-E-V-I-N-S-T-E-V-E-N-S.net. And um, I also write a lot for the Dublin Review of Books, and uh, uh, I've got some links to those articles. I wrote mostly about literature, but also about American history and, and politics and, and so forth. So if people are interested, they can they can check those out. Cool. Lots of uh, lots of subject matter to write about about American politics. The moment, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. So yeah. hopefully about to start a, a to to take a literary phrase. Hopefully about to start a new better chapter. <laughs> Let's hope. Let's hope. Right. Well, it's pretty. It's yeah. pretty. It's pretty depressing at the moment. <sighs> We're nearly there, though. Yeah. I hope so. Um, well, Kevin, it's been an absolute pleasure. I think so much value in there for for anyone listening who's aspiring to be a writer or in in any my brother in his in his pursuits of writing or anyone else who's you know anywhere through their journey. So I really appreciate you taking the time. Um, well, thank, thank you. thanks very much, Angus. It's uh, nice of you to 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 give me a soapbox for an hour. It's always fun to talk about my work, and I uh, really appreciate it. And and. Uh, uh, and I love the paintings in the background. I know your podcast people can't see them, but obviously you're 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 in touch with your creative side as well. So it's great to see you doing that. 
Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Yeah, that's my my lockdown, uh, my new hobby. Right. Hobby now, career someday. That's the plan. <laughs> Absolutely. Good. Okay, thanks very much, Angus. This has been the Creative Marketing Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Tune in again next week for another episode of the Creative Marketing Podcast with me, Angus Boyle. Oh, getting quicker at that every fucking week. The speed is just impressive, if I say so myself, which I just did. So what are you going to do about it? Uh, I've heard some superstitious people say and it is just a superstition so I mean if you're not superstitious don't worry about it but I've some superstitious people have said that if you listen to this point of a podcast and then don't share it with another person it's actually really bad luck so I mean I'm not telling you to share it with someone if you don't want to but I'm just saying that some superstitious people might say that it's unlucky if you don't and I know for a fact that it's like really unlucky to listen to this point and to not leave a five star review, um. But sure, I don't. I don't really buy into superstition myself. But <laughs> I don't know about you. Better to be safe than sorry. Sometimes that's what I say. You know, couldn't couldn't do any harm. Couldn't do any harm. God, if you're listening though, you are. Either way, even if you don't leave a review or fucking share it with anyone, you're still a legend. And I still love you from the bottom of my soul. Hope you have a great day and an even better week and an even better month and just the best year of your life. Rock on.